Hey there, Miranda Wilson here with Lesson Ideas, the science journal for kids podcast where we discuss new scientific articles that we've adapted and how you can use them in your classroom. Welcome to the seventh episode of Lesson Ideas. Have you ever traveled to someplace really cold and wondered how animals survive there? Do you ever wonder where dinosaurs would live if they were alive today? Well, I bet you never thought dinosaurs would live in the Arctic. The article, How Could Baby Dinosaurs Live in the Arctic, by Dr. Patrick Druckenmiller and his colleagues, would be a great and fun addition to any classroom lesson. First, a quick summary of the article. Scientists never thought that dinosaurs lived in the Arctic and Antarctic, but they were wrong. In the 1960s, researchers started discovering dinosaur remains in these harsh environments. Scientists wondered whether dinosaurs lived there year-round. Could they have survived the freezing, dark winter? And if they did, then dinosaurs must have laid eggs and babies must have been hatched there. So, Patrick and his colleagues went digging for evidence of dinosaur reproduction in the Arctic. They went to northern Alaska to study rocks in the Prince Creek Formation and searched through the sediment looking for tiny dinosaur bones and teeth. Patrick and his colleagues found evidence of very young dinosaurs in the Arctic and even baby bones and teeth from the time before they hatched. And not just one dinosaur species, but seven. Both large and small species of dinosaurs live there all year round. These dinosaurs must have been well adapted to life in the Arctic. It's possible they hibernated or fasted to survive the harsh winter. Let's hear from Patrick about what this means for dinosaurs living in the Arctic in an interview with him and his colleagues by Florida State University. Exciting news that we're reporting in this paper is that we now understand that dinosaurs were reproducing in the high Arctic. Apparently the Arctic was a really great place to have babies and the Prince Creek Formation is now one of the best places in the world to study baby dinosaurs. So we were not only surprised to find some baby dinosaurs, but actually several species of dinosaurs that we now realize were nesting in the Arctic. These dinosaurs had to endure conditions that no other dinosaurs that we've ever found have had to endure. What our study now shows is that by nesting up there, we have really strong evidence that they had to have been year-round residents of the Arctic. And if they were year-round residents, somehow, in various ways, they managed to survive up there for some pretty, pretty harsh conditions. Make sure to also check out the short video produced by PBS on this research as well. It gives a good overview of the project and has some fun animations of dinosaurs to see. Links to the complete Florida State interview and the PBS clip are in the show notes. Back to our article about baby dinosaurs in the Arctic. Your students probably already know a lot about dinosaurs, but just in case, let's talk basics. Dinosaurs showed up in Earth's evolutionary history about 230 million years ago, during a period called the Triassic, and their reign ended about 66 million years ago, when an asteroid hit the Earth at the end of the Cretaceous period. Dinosaurs were very successful in a variety of habitats, including the air, land, and water. 
Species range in size from the Supersaurus, clocking in at 128 feet, or 39 meters long, to the small bat-like Embopteryx species, measuring only 13 inches, or 32 centimeters. Many dinosaurs had feathers, although paleontologists are still arguing as to their purpose. And recent research in May of this year suggests that many dinosaurs were actually warm-blooded, a historically controversial idea. As of 2021, there were 1,545 different species of dinosaurs that have been identified. If your students are interested in looking up details about specific dinosaurs, we recommend heading over to the Natural History Museum's website to explore their dino directory. For links to the dino directory and more basic information about dinosaurs, see the show notes. Everything that we know about dinosaurs comes from the fossil record. This makes it really hard to learn about things like dinosaur behavior, physiology, and reproduction. Dinosaur bones can offer clues, but paleontologists also rely on things called trace fossils. These include things like footprints, nests, and eggshells that are not bones, but can still be seen in the fossil record. For example, just this month, a drought in Texas revealed 113 million year old footprints in a previously covered riverbed. You can find the news story in the show notes. Fossils can be found in a lot of places all over the world. Here in the United States, the National Park Service maintains a fantastic collection of information about fossils and paleontology. On their website, you can find out which parks have fossils, look at highlights of fossil finds in the parks, and explore educational activities related to paleontology. Check out the show notes for links to these great resources. This article about baby dinosaurs is unique in that it suggests that dinosaurs in the Arctic didn't have enough time to migrate to warmer areas, and instead either hibernated or adapted to the cold somehow. If you'd like to discuss the differences between migration and hibernation with your students, we'd recommend checking out an article in Smithsonian Magazine about the great migrators of the world, and the Australian Academy of Science website on adaptation. Check out the show notes for links to both of these resources. At the heart of this article is the concept that animals can adapt to environmental conditions. But how do we figure out what those adaptations are when all we have to go on are fossils? Our lesson for today has students examine the fossilization process, learn what fossilizes and what doesn't, and then connect fossils to adaptations those organisms might have had. The lesson is part of a compendium of paleontological lessons and activities maintained by the UC Museum of Paleontology online for free. You can find links in the show notes to the complete compendium and to the lesson we'll be talking about today titled Fossilization and Adaptation, Activities in Paleontology. The lesson contains three different activities. The first activity challenges students to look at skeletons of living organisms and extinct organisms, and then describe what they know about them. The lesson guides teachers through a discussion about what information we can glean from fossils and how that restricts what we know about extinct animals. 
There are two suggested variations for the activity that have students look specifically at adaptations fossilized organisms might have had. The variations are essentially an introduction to the concept of form equals function. The second activity is a quick role-playing game where students act as animals and plants in an environment conducive to fossilization. Students draw cards randomly to determine if they were fossilized or not. What follows is a discussion of what future paleontologists could learn from what fossilized, and more importantly, what was not fossilized. The third activity has students draw and reflect on animals' adaptations in different environments. The suggested variations here incorporate adaptations related to food and a changing climate. Through these three activities, students should have a better understanding of the limitations inherent in looking at the fossil record, as well as a better understanding of animal adaptations in general and as they relate to the fossil record in particular. That brings us to our teaching tip for this week. For articles where students likely have a good background or think they have a good background, we suggest initiating some kind of entry ticket activity before reading the adapted article. For this article, for example, have students write down three things they think they know about dinosaurs and then two questions they have about dinosaurs. When the students are done, you can have each student contribute either a question or one of the things that they know. It'll give you a good idea of what they actually know, what misunderstandings need to be clarified, and will likely give you a jumping off point to introduce the article to your students. That's all for today. If you liked what you heard, thought it was helpful, and learned some cool stuff, please share with your friends and colleagues. If you have questions or comments, please share them in the feedback form on our website. You can also sign up for our free monthly newsletter to learn about our latest content. And as always, please visit our website, sciencejournalforkids.org, for more free science teaching resources.